So I hope you were here last week, many of you, for that, uh, what was it, the end of school year youth-led karaoke worship baptism service. And uh, it was pretty fantastic. I hope we can end every student school year that way, a couple of baptisms. But uh, when, we, when we heard the testimonies of those two young people, uh, what stood out for me was sort of a common thread to both of them was the, the community of people that had influenced them over many years that led them to that day. And uh, it wasn't a one-person job was sort of what I took away from it. Uh, none, of, none of their story and, and none of the testimony of how they came to faith and how they were confirmed in that faith happened in a vacuum. It didn't happen in isolation. And, uh, and, uh, and you notice that it was, it was a combination of, of Sunday mornings, but it was also Friday nights. And it was things they learned at home, and it was also things they learned at camp. And it was parents, but it was also grandparents. And it was pastors, but it was also friends. And so the testimony of both Victoria and Cole really shed and, and shined a spotlight for me uh, on the community of faith um, that ministered to them. And so it really got me thinking hard about how God expects ministry to take place in His church and that, that we would be aware of that. And, and so I'm hoping that I can take sort of the spotlight that it, that it shone for me on that. And then as I reflected on it over this past week, the intentionality of ministry taking place at Lakeside the way God intended it. And just this idea, as I've titled the message, that ministry is a community project. That it is the goal and it's God's intent that ministry and service to the whole body would be a community process. That it, it takes, uh, you know, sort of in that cliche sense, it takes a village uh, to do ministry. And the ministry of the gospel and and by that I mean, when I say the ministry of the gospel, it's a phrase that I use. I mean all the things that we do to serve and to teach and to love people towards the truth of who God is and to love them towards placing their hope in the good news of Jesus. That's what I mean by the ministry of the gospel. Everything we do that moves people in that direction, it was never meant to happen in isolation. The ministry of the gospel is a community project in which everyone, literally everyone has a role to play in all ministry. And that means, what that means is that as you sit here today, that there's a part that you play in gospel ministry. That, that the things that you do at Lakeside are important. And so that's, that's my purpose this morning, is to take that spotlight that sort of God, God shone on, on me and on what was happening last week, and sort of turn that spotlight on the church, and just do a survey of sort of the New Testament reality of how God intends ministry to take, part, take place and what your role is in it, and what, what we hope to cultivate, and what we hope to nourish, and what we hope to instill in Lakeside, so that this is a community of gospel ministry that everyone is taking part in. Let me just pray as we go into that. Father God, I thank you for uh, the testimony of those two young people last week. I thank you for the excitement and the encouragement of those baptisms. And I thank you that it did uh, put a spotlight on the reality of how you intend the ministry to be done in community, how you intend ministry to be done in family, how it's meant to be done in the body of Christ, which is your church. And so, Lord, as we um, sit here today and as we look at your word, I pray that we would be, um, that it would just, the, the light would go on and that we would see our role in the way that we participate in ministry, that none of us are excluded, that everyone is included, and that it is 
is our hope and it is our, uh, our purposeful, conscious uh, endeavor to include everyone in ministry and to create at Lakeside a culture of gospel ministry that everyone partakes in and that uh, it accomplishes your purpose the way that we saw uh, last week and that we would see that happen because we're intentional and because we are purposeful in it and because we're conscious of it and building into it, that it would happen more and more often and in greater and greater numbers to the glory of your Son's name and your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, the, the spotlight that sort of shone for me, as I said, is that, that ministry and that their testimony involves so many people. And as I reflected on that reality, it, it led me to sort of a personal survey of, of New Testament ministry and, and different texts through the New Testament and I kept sort of praying and then looking up another one, and then I'd pray and I would remember something else and look up some other ones. And so we're going to move through a few different scriptures, and, and literally I cut more than half of them out uh, just to get through it to this morning. Uh, but I kept going through the New Testament, sort of starting in Acts and going forward, and looking at how God unpacked and unfolded for the church this idea and this purpose of ministry and community, and how he expected the gospel ministry to take place in the church. And, uh, and so I came away with a lot of material, and I'm going to do my best to structure it for you and get through it, but you may have to sort of put your thinking caps on and get ready for this. And, uh, and, and I came away with more than a few main points, but I sort of grouped themselves in two major categories. How we serve the body as one category, and then another category of scripture and thought in terms of how God's presented it in terms of the body that we are called to serve. And then there's actually sort of a third bonus category that we'll get to at the end. Um, but those two categories of how we serve the body and then the body that we are called to serve. And if we look at those things, we sort of get a picture of what healthy community and healthy church culture looks like in terms of ministry in God's church. And the culture and community that we're aiming at here at Lakeside. So first of all, how we are to serve the body. And we see this explicitly in, in many areas of the New Testament. There's tons of places I could go to, but I'm going to look mainly today at Ephesians chapter 4. And so if you were to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 and look around verses 7 down to 14 or so, Paul's been writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, and as, as he's been writing to this church in this city, he's been encouraging them to take heart. And not to be concerned for his imprisonment or anything that he is suffering, but instead that he has prayed that they would be strengthened and unified by the power of Jesus that's living in them. And he particularly at this point in the letter wants to remind them that Jesus is victorious and he has won the battle with death. And that Jesus is the conquering general who is leading the victory parade back to heaven. And Paul taps into this imagery then as he goes into explaining to the church this imagery that they would be familiar with of this returning general. And he says in, in 4 verse 7, he says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And so that imagery there is what Paul is tapping into, that, that Christ is this victorious general who's returning from the field of battle, and he has all this loot and all these spoils of his victory and spoils of war, and as he's traveling back, he's dispensing those gifts to everyone, the results of, of his victory. And because he has this victory and the Holy Spirit is able to come, he's able to give gifts to everybody. 
And the gifts, he then goes on to talk about what those, those gifts are that he's dispensing. And in verse 11, he says, he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds or pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so this picture of how we are to serve the body, Paul starts out by saying Jesus has the victory. He's won the victory. He's a returning, conquering general. And he's dispensed among everybody these gifts of apostles and prophets and evangelists for work in the ministry for building up the body of Christ. And the first thing that Paul notes is that grace was given to each one of us. And so if we're looking at how we serve in the body, what stood out to me here as I was sort of doing this survey and I hit upon this text, was that grace was given to each one of us. We all have a measure of these gifts, which I'll go into more later. But most importantly here, notice this fact, that what was given to us was given in accordance to the measure of Christ's gift. Do you get that? And so the gift that you have, you don't have in accordance to the measure of your talent or ability. The gift that you have and the way that you minister in the church, you don't look at it and say, well, I don't really have that much to offer. I'm not very good at this and I'm not very good at that. The gift that you have was not given in measure of your ability or of your talent or of your value or what you perceive it to be. The grace that was given to you was given to you in the measure that Christ decided to give to you. And so, because of that, your grace and your gift is measured by Jesus, not by you. And so he has given you exactly what the church needs for you to minister in the church. And so one of the products of our particular culture is that that we tend to more highly value the most prominent or the most visible gifts. But that is a downright error and contradiction to what the Bible teaches. In that testimony of Cole Finley... Cole didn't come to church because of my preaching. Cole isn't baptized a week ago because of Lindsay's singing. Cole was not saved by, you know, Gord or Graham's or Mark's congregational praying. The ministry from his testimony that shaped and led Cole to a new hope in Jesus was not any of a big sort of visible gifting in the church. It was just the faithful, gentle words of his grandmother. It was the Sunday school teachers out in Wilberforce teaching him when he was a child. It was uh, the invitation of a friend to come to youth group. It was a couple of insane women committing all of their Friday nights to riot and and just being there every Friday and hosting this amazing all-nighter that Cole was invited to. It was all the people there and the welcoming and loving environment that made him feel welcome at Lakeside when he came. And it was the support and encouragement that he found in the Quest classes um, with Mark and Steve and among those friends. That was the ministry of the gospel to Cole. It was not my preaching. It was not Lindsay singing or anybody else's. It was not the prayer that was going on. It was not any of the big sort of visible things that in our culture we tend to attribute to gifting. It was all these little things that were the ministry of the gospel to Cole. So the implication then is you have to roll that to yourself. You have to understand what's important for the people in your life is your ministry to them. Right? I can't be Cole's grandmother. <laughs> I can't be his Sunday school teacher. You can't be his Sunday school teacher in Wilberforce. 
right? You're not necessarily his friend, but you are a teacher to someone. You are a friend to someone. You are a grandparent to someone. You're a parent to someone. And so it's your faithful ministry in your service to the body of Christ in the measure that Jesus has appointed to you that Paul says is important in ministry. Now the other thing that, that is important here that we take away from this text in Ephesians 4.11 is secondly that God gave the church people and not programs. Notice what he didn't say. Paul does not say that Jesus left us as he's returning to heaven, that he left us with the gift of, of Sunday school, and, and he appointed unto the body small groups, and he established youth groups and student ministry, and he blessed us with the gift of Alpha and Celebrate Recovery. That's not what he says. Paul says that when Jesus ascended, he left us with the gift of people. He left us teachers and pastors and evangelists and apostles. That the people, that the, the gifts that Jesus left us were in the form of people. It's people who minister in the church, not programs. And so that we take away from that here at Lakeside, we can just sort of take that, that little picture and we can say, you know, as leadership here at Lakeside, that that simple reality gets expressed this way in our approach. That we always at Lakeside, first and foremost, remember that programs don't do ministry. People do ministry. That we don't celebrate or elevate programs over people. Programs are nice ways to organize people. And uh, as I was going through Acts and I was doing this survey, I saw right away, you know, right away in Acts chapter 6, they had all these people to the church and, and uh, people weren't getting fed right and the disciples weren't sure who was supposed to be, you know, so then they said, well, we need to keep doing our thing. We're going to keep teaching and preaching, but we need to appoint men to look after the meal ministry. And so right away, the church started to form programs, right? And then there was Tabitha, who was, who was a weaver or a seamstress, and she was making clothes for people, and they were, they were feeding each other, all these different things. So these, these ministries got formed, and, and a missions team was put together in Antioch, and they sent off Paul and Barnabas. So all the, all the programs started to happen, but they formed out of people. Programs are a nice way to organize people, but programs don't do ministry. People do ministry. The gift of God to the church is people, not programs. And also, as an aside notice here, is that, that Paul is speaking specifically that ministry takes place in the church. That he says it's for equipping the saints and for building up the body of Christ. That God has given us these gifts in this measure for the building up of his body, which is the church. And that's not to diminish the need for us to aim our service individually. Romans 15.2 says explicitly, Let each of us please his neighbors for his good to build him up. So we are to do individual ministry, but Paul is speaking here, and often the service that we are to do is in the context of the body of Christ. And I think that's an important point to take away from this. To remember that, that there is a way in which God has intended these gifts to be used. And the way that he's intended these gifts to be used is in the body of Christ. And I think it's important we note that. We note the distinction between what is a Romans 15.2 instruction to, to use our gifts to, to bless our neighbors and individuals, but understanding the distinction because it warns us when we detach ourselves from a full expression of God's church. It warns us when we start to feel we can just use our gifts in our own context with a few of our friends or or, or just on our own, and it's not our job to support the church. It's not our job to participate in the body of Christ. It, it's not meant for us to be part of a larger body of Christ in a church environment and to support and encourage the whole body of Christ. But the context that Paul speaks here, and Peter speaks, and John speaks, and Jesus speaks, is in the context of the whole body. And so I just say that as an aside, that, that our gift goes beyond just expressing it individually in our own lives, but that we're meant to express it in the body of Christ. And then as we've sort of set the theme for our message today, 
by people that we don't mean only pastors and or leaders or perhaps the visible people in ministry that are easy to spot. When we say that, that, that people do ministry and the gospel ministry is a community project, we mean that it's not just done by some people. I mean to get across that it's done by everyone. That everyone is a minister, it says in 1 Peter 4.10. That everyone has a gift, it says in Romans 12. And it's very interesting to see that when Peter talks about the gifts that we receive, he speaks of them, emphasizing the same truth that Paul does. But in Peter's fashion, he uses half as many words as Paul does. Uh, and uh, so Peter says it very succinctly. He says in 1 Peter 4.10, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So notice what he says. Each have received a gift. So he's saying the same thing. These gifts have been appointed to everyone. And that they are to be used to serve one another, so they're to be used in the body of Christ. And that we do that to honor or to be good caretakers of the varied grace of God. What does he mean there? It means that it's appointed, our gifts have been appointed, each one of us, differently, according to the measure of Jesus Christ. It's the varied gift of God. It's according to the measure of God that we've been given these gifts and grace. And so, in other words, God's grace was poured out in various measures on each of us, and we each have our own measure to take care of. And so you see that Peter is in complete agreement with Paul. He says the exact same thing, just with a lot fewer words. And, and he's saying that we all have a gift, it's all been poured out to us in various measures, and we're all to use it to serve one another. And what, Peter, what gifts are Peter and Paul talking about? You don't have to worry, because Paul will expand on them at least twice. Uh, Paul says it in Romans 12, 4 to 8, and he, and he expands on these gifts, and he says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. And so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Are wow, you picking up a common thread here? They're all saying the same thing. And then he goes on and he says, we have prophecy and service and teaching and exhortation and generosity and leading and mercy, etc. And then you go to 1 Corinthians 12 and Paul expands that list even more. And my main point today is not to go into all the different spiritual gifts that we have, but just to acknowledge this picture that we all have them measured out to us in various measures by God's grace. That Jesus gave us the gift of the apostles and preachers and teachers and evangelists. And he also, by the Holy Spirit, gave us the gifts uh, of the service and teaching and exhortation and generosity and all those other things so that we can minister together. And so in terms of how we minister in the body, we minister in what has been given to us. And we all do it together in the body to the measure that God has gifted us. Not to the measure that we think we have talent. Not to the measure that we think we have ability. Not to the measure that we think we can participate, but to the measure that Jesus has bestowed upon us. He is the measure of the gift. And He is the measure of our ministry. And then also, how we minister is that everyone is partnering and supporting each other in ministry. Philippians 4.15, not even Paul could minister alone. Like if there was one guy in the New Testament that you could say was kind of a lone ranger that was on his own, that, you know... Maybe even because of his personality, burnt a few bridges in his ministry. And, and he said, I'm just going to go out and do things if God's called me not to build on another foundation. And, you know, they kind of kept things off with Barnabas there. And it was a bit of a curmudgeon, people thought. So if there's any lone ranger out there, it would be Paul, right? But not even Paul ministered on his own. It says in Philippians 4, in 15 onward, it says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases.
increases to your credit. And so the other picture that we have here as we kind of survey through the New Testament is that the, the body is to be partnering together and serving and supporting ministry. Because ministry needs support. And Paul's talking here about financial support. Paul's saying, I could not bear fruit to your credit without you supporting and partnering with me in this. And so there's a role that we all play in making sure that the people who are serving and who are doing ministry and who are running programs and who are doing DBS and Sunday school and and, and all these different things that we do, that they have the resources to do their ministry. That God is saying that you need to partner and support these things so that these ministries don't starve. So that these ministries just don't sort of dwindle away for lack of support. That we have to be partnering with each other and supporting each other in ministry. And so we have a role, all of us have a role to play in supporting the ministry that other people are doing. And that we're doing as a church. For healthy ministry to take place, our ministers, our faithful servants who are serving, need to be fully supplied. And so this is how we serve as a church. Everyone, not just some, in the measure that Christ has poured out to us and using our specific gifts and supporting the ministries of others, we all together serve the body of Christ. And that ministry of the gospel, to arrive at testimonies like Victoria and Cole, that ministry of the gospel is a community project. It's everybody doing it. It's not up to me to just do the preaching. That's not enough. right? I'm, I'm doing my part here to equip the saints in the way that I am called to equip and in the grace that God has given me. But neither of their testimonies talked about how great my preaching was and how it led them to be baptized that day. I was kind of hurt by that. But. Their testimonies were all about the community of ministry that was taking place around them. And that's all you people that are doing that ministry. Right? And if we have that as in Lakeside in terms of how we serve the body. The whole point that, that, we're, that we're aiming at here, that, that Scripture is aiming at, is that if we cultivate and we nurture and we protect and, and we uh, build up a community of service that looks like that, where everybody is using their gift in the measure that God has appointed to them, and that everyone is supporting everybody else's ministry, and that we are doing so uh, in all the very gifts that we have been given, then from that environment, here's what we're aiming at. From that environment will grow people who have gifts and passions for ministry that, that we don't even imagine yet. right? Because they will realize that they're supported and encouraged and that they are compelled to express their gift in the body. And from that sort of ministry culture that we cultivate and nurture, we will grow new leaders who have safe places to fail and who have safe places to learn, and who have good mentors. And so there will be new leaders rising up in our midst who are able to minister and express their gifts fully because they know Lakeside is a place where they are encouraged to use their gift and that they can use it well-supported and that they'll be encouraged and supported and, and cheered on. And that Lakeside is a safe place to use that ministry, and a safe place to learn and, and to express their gifts. From that sort of a culture, you'll have youth who are involved in ministry like they were last Sunday. You know, how they are actually every Sunday. We have people on sound and, people and, 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 and students ministry in many different ways. But you'll have youth who are more and more involved in ministry. And they will see ministry lived out in front of them in, in the culture of Lakeside and in the community of, of Lakeside. And as they see it lived out, they'll emulate that as they see their parents do it. And from that, we'll see ministries take shape that are purposeful and effective both locally and globally. And so, and so that's what we intend by a ministry, a gospel ministry or community of ministry. But that only fills part of what we need to know about a culture and a community of healthy.
ministry, okay? That's the one side. That's how we serve the body. And I was trying to, as I was going through, I kept going through all these different books, and I was getting all these different things. I was thinking, how do we put these things together? So that's how we serve. But then the second point is understanding the body we serve. And the New Testament has some amazing things about that. So as we're all geared up and you're saying, yeah, I've, I've got the grace appointed to me and I've got the gift and the measure that Jesus has given me and I'm ready to serve and I'm going to support all these other ministries. And then there's also the body that we are called to serve. And it was really neat how these verses jumped out at me. And the first thing we understand about the body that we serve is that everybody is worthy of ministry. That everybody is worthy of receiving ministry. And I saw Acts 20, that Acts 20, 20 to 27 to 28, Paul is speaking to the elders there as he's leaving. And he says to the elders uh, uh, how he's leaving and how he's, you know, crying about the fact that he's in tears over, over their health and the, the, the fruit of the, of the ministry as he goes forward. And he says in, in verse 27, For I did not shrink from declaring you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, and this is the part that's, that stood out for me, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So the people that we are called to serve are bought with the highest possible price. And so when we think about serving and using our gifts in the body of Christ, we think about how we serve the body, but then we think about the body we serve. And the first thing we have to remember is everybody is worthy of ministry because everybody was paid for by the blood of Christ. They are the most valuable possession in Christ's kingdom. It's as if the king has appointed you the governor over a province or over some sort of facet of his kingdom, and he says, this is the most prized possession of my kingdom, and you are in charge of it. That's how we have to approach our ministry. That there is not anyone who is not worthy of ministry, and that everyone we minister to are the prized possession of God. And so when we serve each other, we serve each other with that in mind. That everyone that we serve has been obtained by the blood of Christ. And so we should be so honored that the king has put us in charge of his most valuable asset and his most valuable people. And we should never think that anyone is not worthy of being ministered to or not worth the effort or that our task is too trivial and too meaningless or that, you know, we're just too tired to do it because the people that we are ministering to, the body that we are serving in, is the most prized possession of God because he's paid the highest price for it. And so Paul makes clear that we are given the gift of serving those that God prizes most highly. And secondly, that body that we serve, we also have to understand that even though they are the most prized possession of God, everyone is imperfect. That we are serving an imperfect body. And I, I look at Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, which you'll remember is sort of a famous passage on husbands, which is awesome. And every guy should just keep going and rereading and rehearsing that every day of your life. But... It says that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Now get this, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Oh, that's beautiful, right? It's imperative when you read that beautiful sentence and you imagine that beautiful picture of Jesus washing the church by his love. What is the picture there? Is that the church starts out unsanctified, unwashed, and imperfect. The bride that Jesus is washing does have spots. It does have blemishes. It is wrinkled. That's why Jesus is washing the church, because it's a blemished bride, and it is a wrinkled 
washing of the word. You know, we need the washing that Jesus is doing because the picture here is that the church is blemished. If the church wasn't blemished, then no washing would be needed. And so the beauty of that picture and the power of that command as we look at the body that we're to serve is that um, the, the power of that command lies in this fact that Jesus died for the ungodly, that he died for the impure and the imperfect, that his love precedes their perfection, that the love of Jesus precedes their sanctification, that Jesus loves us and loves the body of Christ before we don't have any wrinkles and before we don't have any blemishes and while we are still imperfect and while we are, while we are still bruised and dirty. The love of Jesus precedes our being lovable. And so when I think about how that applies to us, then, as we minister in the body, the body that we are serving is imperfect. And so we have to enter into serving the body with the same love that Jesus has. That we love people preceding their being lovable. That we love the church even though it is wrinkled and it is blemished. Even though people do have rough edges and even though people will hurt us and even though people are, uh, you know, maybe spiritually ugly some days. But we look at the body of Christ that we serve and we say the body that Christ is washing is blemished. And the love of Jesus preceded their being lovable. And so our serving, like Jesus is serving, has to precede the Bible, or the, the, the body being lovable. And so it's not just how we serve the body, but it is understanding and coming to terms with the body that we serve. And so we have these two realities we face, that we serve the body of Christ, that everyone is priceless and worthy of our ministry, but also the reality that everyone has some wrinkles and everyone has some spots and everyone is blemished, and that we are washing them with the love of our ministry. And so we cannot say, I will love them when they're lovable. You know, I will love them when they love me in return. I will love them when they're clean, or I will love them when they straighten up, or I will love them when they behave properly. Then I will serve them. You can't do that. To love and serve the way Jesus loves and serves the body, it has to precede the loveliness of the body, or else we won't be washing anything at all with our service. And so because of that, then, we get a third point about the body that we serve, about the body of Christ, the church, is that then we must absolutely be a community of grace. And it was completely not prearranged before read Colossians 3 there, and I'm in Colossians 3, 2, verses 12 to 14, if you just keep going a little bit farther. It says in Colossians 3, 12 to 14, that we have, he says then, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so I've been saying all along that you all have a part to play in ministry. Remember I said that it, it takes a community to do ministry. This, apart from gifts, apart, apart from, from your participation in service and, and, and your supporting and, 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 and offering and, and resourcing and, and, and making sure that ministry is supported and taking part, is able to, to happen, apart from all of that, this last point here, this is the one way that I guarantee everyone at Lakeside can participate in ministry. Okay? Because one of the most important aspects of ministry in the body of Christ, maybe the most important way that you can contribute, is that everyone in the church is nurturing this culture of grace that Paul is talking about here. Because it's this culture of grace, of humility and meekness and forgiveness and gentleness and, and mercy, where the Spirit of
spiritual gifting and the ministry and service can thrive. Because apart from anybody doing all the other, whatever gifts they have in serving, if we are not a body of Christ that has this nature, then it sabotages the ministry that takes place. And so if you're sitting there saying, well, I don't have this to offer, I don't have that to offer, you know what you can do? You can be an encourager of this community at Lakeside, of forgiveness and meekness and patience and bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Because we have to have that in our body for our gifts of ministry to thrive. So don't think there's nothing you can do. Everybody has something to do. And then one final thought. This is sort of a third bonus category for us to think about this community of ministry that we're cultivating and nourishing into health so we have more of these testimonies in the future. Is how we respond to ministry in the body. And this is my very wise wife who gave me this one. Uh, she's so smart. And, uh, and, 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 she, and, and she pointed out to me that it's how we serve and it's the body that we serve, but then it's how we respond to ministry that is so, so important as well. It's everybody's job to utilize the ministry that's offered and not ignore or pass up on it. Lakeside has a ton of opportunity for you to receive service from others, to be equipped by saints and to be served by their gifts. We have gifted teachers doing Bible studies for men and for women. We have friendly and caring small groups. We have amazing youth programs. We have Sunday school. We have VBS. We have prayer teams. We have hospitality teams. We have care teams. And if we don't have something that you think Lakeside is lacking, we will support it if you start it. And so the point here is that it's our job to actually take advantage of these ministries and take advantage of this service and not say, oh, yeah, I heard about that, but I'm not going. And, yeah, that doesn't appeal to me, and I'm not going to do that. And, you know, and just, no, 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 I show up on Sunday, and that's about it. Right? If you're going to have this community of, of gifts and serving, and nurturing and encouraging one another, where we get testimonies like Victoria's and Cole's, then it's a community where the people actually take advantage of the ministry that's going on in their church. And they don't just dismiss it or ignore it. So it's everybody's job to utilize the ministry that God has placed in our church and to celebrate those gifts by participating in it. Get involved in VBS. Come to the family meeting. You know, go to look who's coming to dinner. Get into a small group. Join a prayer team or a hospitality team. Get involved in the ministry that's there. Now, because I hate to sound alarmist, but if we don't participate in the body of Christ, the day will come when the body's just not there for you when you need it. And you'll wonder, where did all the churches go? As they just keep shutting down. And people stop participating. And so one of the things we need to have this community of faith that God intends for us is we have to use the ministry and use the gifts that God has given us and not despise them and not ignore them. And then secondly, very important here, in this category of how we respond to ministry, this is a big one, it's your responsibility to feel loved when ministered to. That a big part of cultivating and nurturing a culture of ministry that's expressed in love and humility and patience and encouragement comes not only from the way we do ministry, but from the way we receive ministry. You know what's really hard? It's really hard to not be discouraged when you're expressing your gift in the grace and in the amount that has been apportioned to you, and you're expressing it in the body of Christ, and you're pouring your heart out and your life out into serving someone, maybe caring for their kids in Sunday school, or setting up and serving at an event, or you've been discipling and coaching someone through a difficult emotional issue, and then they just nitpick at your efforts, you know? And they just kind of dismiss 
what you've done for them. And they don't put any value in the ministry that you've poured into them. And you don't feel loved. In fact, you somehow feel offended by the fact that all these nice people have tried to care for you. It's our job in cultivating this community of ministry that we actually feel the love of ministry being done to us and appreciate it. And so that when we are ministered to, we actually reflect back to people the love that they intended by ministering. And that as we uh, feel the love that is directed towards us. Now, I know you don't feel loved every, every Sunday morning when I preach, but this is my love language, okay? Like, I do this because I love you. It doesn't always sound like it. You know, sometimes it sounds like I'm, you know, maybe being mean to you. But, but this is my love language to you. So as, as ministry is poured out, and I'm not saying that to center me out, but as other people minister, the love language of the Sunday school teachers, they're pouring out love towards you to care for your kids, right? All those volunteers for VBS are not doing it for the paycheck. Trust me. They're doing it out of love for the body of Christ and love for you. And so when you are ministered to, then it's your job to feel that love, to determine, I'm going to feel loved by the service of this church. And I'm going to accept it in the spirit that it is offered and encourage them. Because if, if you don't make any effort to feel love, sometimes you can, just, you can just sort of take it for granted. And that's not the culture of ministry that we want to have here. And so if you want to encourage more great ministry, then decide now that you are going to feel loved about the ministry that you receive at Lakeside. Don't resist it when people try to help and serve you. Let the ministry work. Let it accomplish God's purpose in your life, even if it's, trying to, even if it's accomplishing something hard for you. Understand that it's done in love, and it's what God has given to the body for your equipping and for your building up. Recognize it for that love. You have a role to play in ministry simply by participating in what is offered and by accepting the love that it represents. And so why is all this important? That, that sort of big overview of, of how we serve the body and the nature of the body we serve and the way in which we receive ministry, why is it all so important? Because we don't want to damage our gospel ministry. We want to have a picture of how God intended our gifts measured out to us, being serving each other within the body of Christ in this community, and building each other up and equipping each other and receiving that with love and receiving that with gratitude and participating in that and supporting it in every way that we can. Because we want our ministries... at at Lakeside to be healthy. If you remove that healthy community of gospel ministry, or if you neglect them, or you underfund them, or under-resource them, or you respond to them with uh, indifference or with neglect, then you know what happens? You chip away at that gospel ministry community. And you start to starve those ministries. And you start to damage them. And you start to hurt the spirit of those ministries. And, and they become neglected. And they struggle. And the ministries begin to perish. And that is absolutely what we do not want to happen at Lakeside. The spotlight that was shone for me last Sunday was that we want the opposite of that for Lakeside. We absolutely want intentionally, consciously, purposefully to be encouraging and resourcing and building up and nurturing and cultivating a community of gospel ministry at Lakeside that doesn't wither, doesn't die on the vine, doesn't perish, doesn't feel neglected, doesn't feel starved, but instead feels overwhelmed with support. And from that community, if we keep nurturing and cultivating and building into that, we will have testimony after testimony after testimony like last Sunday. 
gifts that he has generously poured out to us will accomplish their purpose in this body of Christ here at Lakeside. And so that's why it's important. Because we want the opposite of neglect and starving and struggling and perishing ministries. We want flourishing and healthy and thriving and, and expanding ministries here at Lakeside. And everybody has a part to play in that. You cannot sit back this morning and say, I've got nothing to do. I've given you like ten things you can do this morning. You can pick any or all of them and participate in them. Everyone is valued, warts and all. We minister to everyone equally. We have a culture of grace that allows ministry to flourish rather than struggle. That none of our ministries would suffer from a lack of gifts or help or support or resources so that our ministries don't starve. That everyone is valuing the ministries that are available to them and taking advantage of of them. That everyone is participating in and feeling the result of the love of each other's ministry. And into that culture, into that environment, we welcome people. And the gospel of God's love will just flow out of that ministry if we can be that kind of a church at Lakeside. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for this picture of a returning, victorious, conquering Jesus. And as he is returning and ascending to heaven, he's just bestowing gifts left and right, throwing them out of the wagon just all these blessings and gifts unto all of us. And you have apportioned unto each of us a measure of your grace and your gift for us to use in the body. And so, Father, I pray that we would all take that deadly seriously and see how you intend your ministries to thrive and flourish and blossom and to be used by everyone. And that all of these ministries would be used in a Colossians 3 community of meekness and humility and grace and forgiveness and forbearance. And that we all have a part to play in all different levels of this. Using our gift, cultivating that environment, forgiving, forbearing, loving the church that's blemished, being loved by the church despite our blemishes. Lord, it is, it is a, it's an amazing picture that's kind of painted all across the New Testament in a hundred different places. I thank you that you've shown